0: Welcome to Behind the Ticker. I'm Brad Roth, Chief Investment Officer of Thor Financial Technologies and Portfolio Manager of THLV, the Thor Low Volatility ETF. Behind the Ticker uncovers the inner workings of the ETF industry. We will interview portfolio managers and ETF service providers to dive deep into their work lives and their businesses. We will learn the inner workings of their strategies and what drives them as they continue to grow their company. Many of these individuals are entrepreneurs and will have unique and compelling insights to share as much goes on behind the ticker. Please note nothing in this show is investment advice, and it is meant solely for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome to Behind the Ticker. We are continuing our Live from the Exchange ETF Conference series with Weldon Rice. He is with Craft AI. They are a Korean asset manager and tech company. We talk about all the things AI is doing to help manage investments, as well as some of the things we might be seeing on the frontier of AI. But more importantly, we want to talk about a couple of their ETFs. Their first, their U.S. large cap ETF ticker QRFT, and their large cap momentum ETF ticker AMOM. So, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Mr. Weldon Rice. Hey, Weldon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. It's great to be here. So, before we get started, can you tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you ended up in your role at Craft?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, my name is Weldon Rice, head of uh, AI ETFs at Craft Technologies. Uh, I think probably a little bit of my background, I think the uncommon would be the sort of progression of my career and, and life. That's uh, probably the, the biggest theme. Uh, and, you know, I started out actually not in the finance industry, uh, worked a little bit in higher education, uh, and I, I moved abroad whenever, uh, right out of college. So I've been in Asia, living in Asia for a little over 12 years. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I ended up uh, studying in finance. Uh, while I was there in Korea, uh, studying under some quant hedge fund managers and uh, some some really big uh, players in Korea, like Goldman Sachs uh, head there, and really, really fell in love with finance, uh, especially quantitative approaches to finance. So yeah, I got an opportunity to come on board with Craft Technologies. Uh, and uh, I know we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what we do in a moment. But uh, yeah, I, I started out in uh, sort of some marketing and then now uh, heading up in the ETFs,
0: It's definitely an exciting time to be not only in ETFs, but also in quant AI driven ETFs. But before we get into the nitty gritty of all that, I always like to ask, what are some hobbies? What are some things you like to do outside the office?
1: well uh right now, I have a six month old and a three month old so I'd say my hobbies are uh, going out to the park and uh, you know watching uh Miss Rachel on YouTube with my daughter and uh yeah, yeah those sorts of things but uh, you know outside of that i have always been a big sports fan uh played lots of sports in high school and uh you know, I just love watching so uh it was it was great uh you know as at time of recording, we just watched a phenomenal Super Bowl last night uh, it was incredible so uh, it, it was great to great to be in town uh, in the U.S. here uh, to actually watch it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was fun. It was a great game. And look, I don't envy you a minute for having to watch Miss Rachel. I went through that. <laughs> I'm out of Miss Rachel. So it, hopefully it doesn't last too much longer for you. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about craft. Uh, I know you're an AI driven manager. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into all that. But let's talk about Can you talk about the breadth of services that Kraft offers just outside of ETFs in general?
1: Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, ETFs is just one part of what we do. And we were actually founded in 2016. And we are founded as an investment technology company. So outside of just the ETFs, we also do model portfolios. Uh, We've run uh, different sort of vehicles. So we're really a B2B solution provider. So we work with, uh, we're based out of Seoul, Korea. And we work with a lot of the largest financial institutions in Korea starting out. Uh, and a lot of that was model portfolios or portfolio construction, uh, helping them to launch AI-powered products, their own products. Uh, and then we also do a bit of, uh, we've helped them build some robo-advisors uh, and other such things like that. So we have a bit in, in some of the tech side too. Uh, have a little bit of footprint, but our bread and butter is really constructing portfolios, uh, whether that be you know security selection. Uh, mainly in U.S. equities, or it could be multi-asset, mainly using ETFs for exposure and and adjusting, you know, from a top-down perspective, the asset allocation as well. So uh, yeah, we've uh, really expanded our breadth of what we do over the years. Uh, And in uh, two years ago, we received an uh, investment from SoftBank about 140 million dollars. So uh, that was a that was a big uh, change for our firm, and and really changed a lot for for where we're where we're going.
0: So I actually had a question about that. Sure. What does an investment like that do to help kind of jumpstart the company as a whole? I mean, it probably gives you the ability to do a lot more marketing. I mean, I see you guys everywhere. You guys are doing a fantastic job of being anywhere. Can you talk or being everywhere? Can you talk about how that's Really helped take you guys from maybe a, a smaller company to, you know, a very institutionalized name today.
1: Absolutely. So when I joined the firm uh, pre-investment, uh, we had about forty people in the firm, and uh, you know we're really. <laughs> We have a lot of engineers in our company. Actually, the majority of our employees are either researchers or developers. Uh, and, you know, we built our AI models all in-house, uh, all vertically integrated. So we source the data, we clean the data. Everything is done in-house in, in our in our firm. So, uh, you know, what that investment did for us was the ability to, one, expand our capabilities in terms of expanding into different asset classes, We've been able to expand even into into different jurisdictions. Uh, for example, we we mainly started out in the U.S. markets, but we've expanded to other Asian markets as well. Uh, and on top of that, we you know we were able to also change a bit of the frequency. So in terms of frequency of our strategies, we're looking at anywhere from intraday uh, strategies to all the way up to about one month. So we don't really get past uh, doing predictions more than about one month out. But uh, yeah, we were able to expand some of our capabilities, and and, and that ended up. Doing some a little bit more, you know, institutionalized uh, strategies such as long short and other things like that that we've we've been able to launch uh, in recent days.
0: Yeah, it's exciting and congratulations to you guys. And so let's talk about AI um, and kind of quantitative processes as a whole. Uh, I know AI is thrown around, and there's a lot of different things that go into what actually AI is. And at a high level, you don't you don't really have to get into specifics here. But what to, what types of AI or, or how are you utilizing AI? Are you looking at pattern recognition, sentiment, news, all of that? None of it. I mean, at a high level, what is the firm employing in terms of trying to make these types of predictions?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So when it comes to artificial intelligence, um, you know, we've just seen a huge explosion, especially with ChatGPT, um, and that brings with it a lot of uh, really great, you know, just sort of adoption and people's understanding of what it is. Uh, especially from when I first joined the company. Uh, but at the same time, it also can bring a bit confusion on sort of what people are doing with artificial intelligence and especially in financial markets and how are we using that. Uh, even in the ETF space, we usually start out with, you know, telling people that we're not an AI thematic fund. We're a fund that uses AI to <laughs> pick the stocks in the fund. So that's usually the first point. Uh, but then, you know, you can really drill down AI into about two different categories. There's sort of analytical AI, which is Looking more at pattern recognition, looking at what is termed in the AI industry structured data, basically numerical data. So we're looking at you know price, we're looking at different market data, uh, different ratios, uh, and then there's the generative AI or you know AI that's looking at more things like text or images and other things like that. So from our perspective. Craft originally started more from the analytical side. We're very much from a quantitative background. Sometimes we call ourselves like a quant 2.0 uh, in a certain sense because what we do is we take a lot of those academically researched factors and and sort of things from a lot from the quant space that that have been around for years uh, and. What we're trying to do is use AI to bring a more robust exposure to those factors. We're trying to look at more like risk-adjusted returns, especially when we're looking at security selection uh, in that in that space. Um, in terms of what we do with uh, the large language models, we don't employ as much on the on, on sort of textual and sentiment data, uh, but we do have some capabilities there. And especially, you know, recently we just launched a a new ETF with LGIA Research and. One of the reasons why we partnered up with them was because they, they have uh, really great capabilities in the large language models. And so that fund actually has the ability to look at uh, sentiment data from news and incorporate that into the, the prediction uh, that comes out for the, for the fund. So yeah, we're, we're using uh, trying to use both technologies and we really try to stay at the forefront uh, and try to innovate and push the boundaries of what we can do with AI in the space. Uh, while at the same time, making sure it makes sense. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, we don't just use AI so we can put it in the marketing materials. Uh, I mean, I'm more on the marketing side and I totally, you know, uh, get that it's great to put AI in everything, but you know, we don't, we just try not to put AI in there just just because.
0: Yeah. And you actually led kind of right into my next question, which is, you know, how often is your process kind of building on itself? Is it using machine learning at all? And basically the question is, you're not just letting it run wild. Do you have some guardrails on it? But I'm sure you're implementing some some evolution over time.
1: Absolutely. So uh, you you mentioned uh, a few things in there uh, in terms of you know development of the of the AI. Um, so you know we are constantly updating and researching. We have a lot of researchers that are looking at different ways we could you know employ you know different metrics or different different data uh, into what we do. Um, and so, sorry, can you go back? (laughs) I got got hung up on that second question. What was the original question?
0: The original question basically is, are you allowing the process to, to, are you implementing machine learning and, and is that, uh, changing your process over time?
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, that's actually the point I wanted to make. I remember you mentioned machine learning and that's also a bit of an interesting topic in itself. AI, machine learning, deep learning. Uh, all of these things were, you know, before I sort of got into this sort of AI industry were a bit foreign to me. Uh, and I think for most people, you might get confused on what the difference are between those. You know, they're really, AI is really a broad term for both of those machine learning and deep learning. We actually employ both machine learning and deep learning in, in what we do. And the way you can think about it is this In terms of, you know, traditional financial models were built on, you know, this sort of linear models of sort of regression and and sort of regressing back to the mean. And what we're trying to do with machine learning AI is to build a nonlinear model because we know that markets aren't linear. (laughs) All right. So we know that. So that's what we're really trying to do. And when it comes to machine learning and deep learning, just think of these as sort of like a, a scale and as you slide along the scale, you start with machine learning, which are a bit more, you know, simpler models. I mean, simpler in terms of they're less complex, a little bit easier. You can build, see a little bit more insights, uh, but they have less linear uh, non-linearity to them. Uh, whereas deep learning, uh, which is what we also imp- use in our in our models, uh, you know, that is a bit more non-linear. Also, a bit harder to you know, dig down deeper into what actually you know, was the driving force for the decision. And so, yeah, our models are constantly learning uh, on updated data as it comes in uh, and learning as the markets change, uh, which is quite interesting to see.
0: So before we get into your ETFs, I want to talk about two of them. Does the, uh, I, I just had done an interview last week um, with uh, an attorney who was setting up ETFs in Europe. Is there an ETF market in Asia?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There is an ETF market in Asia. Uh, there are many ETFs in, in Korea. Uh, in fact, uh, Miri Asset, one of the largest asset managers in Korea, uh, actually owns GlobalX ETFs and several other uh, ETFs around the globe. So, And they, they have their own locally uh, owned ETFs uh, that they have. So Asia has a pretty decent ETF market, uh, I would say. Um, yeah. Uh, and my actually, my boss and sort of Mentor in this industry, the ETF Francis O, oh, uh, who uh, has spearheaded a lot of what we've done in our ETF industry, has, has spent you know his whole career almost 12 years working in the ETF industry in Asia for Vanguard, Direction, and now Craft uh, and AI, which is I always find such an interesting career trajectory to go from Vanguard to AI, uh, especially making a stop with uh, Direction on the way. So uh, yeah. Uh, good good market there in Asia as well.
0: So let's talk about a couple of your products. You've got, uh, I'm just going to say CRAFT, the QRFT, the US large cap ETF. Mm-hmm. From what I gathered, obviously it's AI driven, but you also include in there with human intuition. Uh, can you explain the strategy you know, as a whole and how you combine those two things? Absolutely. So what what we mean by
1: human intuition is that, and, and you mentioned this a bit earlier in terms of looking at guardrails and portfolio construction, uh, you know, there is human intuition in terms of how we look at portfolio construction for the AI. So... You know, for example, you know the universe that we start with—that's chosen by humans, right? Uh, and and sort of the factors and things that go into the model are chosen by humans. The data that goes into the model is chosen by humans, but that's about where the human process stops. Uh, we let the AI then learn the data, and we you know fully trust the prediction that comes out uh, from the model. So we don't alter that. We don't go, you know, oh, we're in this stock this month, really. Uh, I don't think so. We better we better, you know, dial that down a bit. Uh, we don't do that. Uh, we we let we trust the process, but at the same time, you, you mentioned this a bit earlier. We do have guardrails in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of how much concentration we can get into different sectors, uh, and so yeah, uh, we we definitely do, and we have some, you know, risk controls within the models to to help you know help that out as well. So yeah, we we really try to follow some the. Investment process of you know human managers, but we're trying to let AI have a different look at at what the data is is telling us and really bring a new approach. I think to to
0: portfolio. So you're investing in in large cap U.S. securities or large cap U.S. equities only. Yep. Um, about how many names can be in the portfolio at any given time?
1: So for QRFT, that can be about 300 to 320 around there. So that fund is a really a well diversified fund. Uh, and we, we, we made that really to be an enhancement on sort of a, a traditional large cap passive exposure. You know, we're really trying to, I, we kind of call it like, say that we're long-term investors, but at the same time, we have a short-term, you know, view. So we really try to make adjustments in the short term on a monthly basis, uh, trying to you know, find sort of patterns in the market to find little inefficiencies here and there. And then over the long term, build up a, a really robust risk adjusted return. And a, hopefully, that you know, we believe that's going to be, you know, bring alpha over time. Uh,
0: so with 300, 320 names, how does the portfolio weighting work? Is that a machine driven process to kind of pick out, you know, and rank maybe the best ideas? Or can you just talk about portfolio weighting? Absolutely
1: so the first part of the process uh, is a bit more looking at our factors. So we use traditional academic factors as well as some of our own proprietary factors and then we you, you know score the securities based on that. And then we also have a model that does the weighting process as well. So we, we we look at okay, here are the here are the scores from the factors, and we look at put that in another model with other market data as well as some of the fundamental data from the securities, and that will give uh, sort of its prediction for what's the best. Stocks that we feel over the next four weeks have the best price appreciation.
0: So, how um, how is the portfolio rebalanced or traded? Is that a monthly rebalance? Did I yes. did I hear that?
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we do uh, monthly rebalance, uh, and we yeah for for that fund.
0: So I know being active, we run an active strategy. You guys are running an active strategy. Can this can uh, QRFT get defensive based on your signals, or does it always kind of? stay fully invested or does the the defensiveness if you're seeing weakness in the market kind of direct in which assets it may be going to
1: yeah I mean because it's equities there's a only a certain amount of defensiveness you can you can get but well because we're looking at different factors in the market, for example, when the market does get a bit more defensive, we see that you know, value factors and quality factors tend to be the, the, the factors driving the model a little bit more, whereas you know, in, in when the market's really growing, we start to see a bit more on momentum uh, and some of these other growth factors uh, that come in. So it can get a bit, a, bit, a bit more defensive, and it really adjusts itself over, over
0: time. So speaking of momentum, you also have AMOM, uh, yep. which is your large cap momentum ETF. Exactly. So what is the biggest difference between the U.S. equity large cap and this one, which is the momentum version?
1: Right. So in this case, we're, we're sort of singling out one factor, uh, the momentum factor, whereas QRFT, it's looking at multiple factors across you know many, many different factors factors there. So that's one key difference. Uh, The other is the number of holdings. So uh, QRFT is very well diversified. Uh, You know, I call it kind of a slow mover because, you know, it's got a lot of of holdings in there. AMOM is is a much more, uh, we we like to say, uh, because we're from Korea, we like spicy food. AMOM is a lot more spicy. Uh, We only have 50 holdings there. Uh, We can get some pretty high concentrations in in sectors uh, and in stocks. I mean, we have some guardrails there, but we can go up to 50% in a sector, and we can get somewhere around 9 to 10% in a holding at some point. Uh And I think recent market conditions have sort of, you know, been really interesting to see uh, because, you know, the market is very concentrated right now. And so we're actually seeing our momentum fund, you know, really get some pretty, uh, you know, pretty big concentration in some of these holdings.
0: It's interesting. So is it also just to compare the two again, uh, is it also traded on a monthly basis?
1: Yes, yes. It is also uh, just like QRT on a monthly basis.
0: Interesting. So I know you guys have a lot of other products and I'm going to have you or somebody else from your team back on because I know you're going to keep launching ETFs. Yeah. But let's talk broadly um, as we kind of close out. How should advisors, if you're a registered investment advisor, how should they be thinking about implementing AI-driven strategies inside their portfolio? Like, do you see them as a holistic solution or more of like a satellite exposure they should be tagging or adding along maybe some more traditional passive holdings? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think, you know, our, our view is that, you know, AI is... We definitely believe in the technology. Uh, we believe in what we're doing. But at the same time, we understand that, uh, you know, AI is not perfect. And so... You know, we believe that AI is a great complement. You know, when you think about what artificial intelligence is doing with the data, it's really taking a very different view of the market and, and data than a human manager would. So we believe this provides a very interesting diversification effect for you know advisors to look at. And this really complements A lot of either, you know, QRFT, I think, could be a good complement to maybe a more of a core exposure, passive exposure. If you're looking for a little bit of active enhancement uh, to a more of a passive exposure to sort of a large cap, I think it's a great complement to to be sort of a sleeve there to give an active, uh, data-driven, systematic, but flexible approach. Uh, And then AMOM is is a bit more of a satellite stylistic fund that's going to give you, uh, you know, an ability to be a bit more like trend following of the market. So instead of just taking that long-term view that okay the market's going to go up over time, let's take some you know you know bets on the market of what what we're looking at currently and trend follow some of the trends that are going on uh, in the market.
0: So kind of a last question, and it's 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 AI driven again. It I agree with you and I have the same sentiment as you that AI is interesting. It can do a lot of things, but it can't do everything. Yep. Um, you have a lot of engineers on your team. At what point do you think, in total prediction, nobody's going to hold you to this, <laughs> do you think that maybe the human side is going to take a step and maybe sit in the back seat a little bit and, and just let AI make all of the decisions? That's, uh, I mean, we believe
1: that that future is very possible. Maybe not for every, uh, but we definitely see that this is really, I think, the future of, of where a lot of portfolio construction is going to happen uh, going forward. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, there are so many different reasons why people invest in different themes that they might want to want to cover. So AI is not going to cover every single thing. But we believe that uh, majority of you know, portfolio construction and, and things going forward is actually going to be have some part in AI, whether it be, you know, the AI actually making the stock selection or whether it be, you know, analysts or teams using AI for their research. Uh, and coming up with uh, some ideas on 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 their universe or their investment thesis, uh, we definitely see AI as a huge part of that going forward.
0: Well, Weldon, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, where can people learn more about you and learn uh, more about Craft Technologies?
1: Absolutely. Well, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and Craft Technologies, you can check out craftaietfs.com uh, or crafttech.com. And by the way, Craft is with a Q. not a uh, C. Uh, And actually, CRAFT stands for Quantitative Craftsmanship if you're you're curious about that. Uh, So crafttech.com or craftaietfs.com. You can find us. We're always happy to, to reach out.
0: Well, again, thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you very much.